Welcome to the Companion Chapel. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous Saturday, April 3rd, day 221. And today is the Passover. It starts at 6 o'clock tonight, 6 p.m., and goes to 6 p.m. tomorrow. The Passover, the high day of Christianity. Today we're studying the book of James, book of James chapter 1. James being the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. First, please consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. Participate in glorifying, magnifying, and broadcasting God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your call to action consists of supporting post-media solutions by way of your time or money contributions. God's word being taught cover to cover, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, requires advertising and a functioning website suitable for search and social. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. Christ, God's blessings will bound on you and yours. Give it up for God at companionchapel.com, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address companionchapel at gmail.com. Your gift of as little as $10 a month or 30 cents a day enables me to bring you a Bible teaching podcast a day every day. You are encouraged to send your biblical questions or prayer requests to email address companionchapel at gmail.com or come by for a Bible study to number 338 side road 28 that's in Paisley, Ontario, Canada. NOG2GO is the postal code. And the phone number here that you can call or text is 519-706-8876. Now please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of James and chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now these twelve tribes, the twelve tribes of Israel, and they're scattered abroad like God said he would do. And they're scattered abroad because it's the chosen family to plant the seeds of truth around the world. And you can adopt yourself into that family by the kinsman redeemer himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, whomsoever will. And James, he's a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He recognizes the hierarchy. He recognizes the natural order of things. Jesus Christ is the righteous right arm. A father, And in the last book that we just finished, the book of uh, Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the mediator to Father. There's a natural order of things that we have to follow, and that's just God's laws, God's rules. Verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. This is diverse trials. And this is because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and the ways and things of the world are going to try you. They're going to try you by temptation and they're going to try you by just uh, general harassment. Like we're, we're just on a journey here. And as children of God, we do not belong to this world. This world is not our home. We are only passing through and a testing period. And the book of James is really great because it talks about we're going to be studying patience, faith, and your reward. And it talks about trials and tribulations, and Jesus Christ even said, offenses will come up against you. Don't you think? Because the ways and the things, ways and things of the world, what Jesus Christ stood against, he will not compromise with those things. They're offensive. They're up to darkness. They're full of guile, malice, and corruption. None of these things are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. No sin. And therefore, Jesus Christ sent, set up a valid kingdom which will not accommodate sin because he has power over it. And we have to get our way into that kingdom. And James is going to tell us how. Here we go, verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now remember, the only way to get through these trials and temptations 
is by having faith with works because you can't just fade away as something that you've made up or romanticized what you think is in the Bible. It just is, it's, it's very sad to me when people, everybody seems to have an opinion on the Bible, on God. Hardly anybody has even bothered reading it. And that includes Christians too. I'm just like, what, why wouldn't you read the Bible? Well, because they have this guy at the front of their church who's using the Bible as a book of quotes and they think they have it made. They think their ticket's stamped to get into heaven because they identify with a certain church or a certain pastor or, or whatever, but they don't have a working knowledge of the Bible. And that means you can't have faith because you have no works. And James is going to really pound that home for us. And it's a sad thing. Like pick up your Bible and read it. You're going to start to see threads going through the Bible and they'll come together like the key of David. And you're going to be incredibly feeling incredibly happy about it because as it's written in the book of Revelation, happy are those who read with understanding. This is blessed. That's a blessing. Like who wants to read something they don't understand? But it's like any book. Hey, maybe at first you don't understand, but God said, I'll send you a remnant of truth. It takes patience and work and, and that'll give you faith to get through things. How do you get, how do we get over temptations and trials now? We're just not tempted by those things. We're not tempted. Things, things, the ways and things of the world don't tempt us. Yeah, we try and make it through the day. It's quite a press, but we're not greedy or, or gluttonous or we're not trying to make gain at other people's expense. Like, like you, you work to be mature in the word, like it says here in verse four. But let patience have for, have for perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Uh, take this word perfect out of here because only Jesus Christ was perfect. You just put the word mature in there. Like we mature as Christians and the more you mature and the more you're fed with the bread of life and your thirst is quenched with the living waters, you, you don't have, you don't hunger or thirst after the ways or things of the world. You're not wanting, you're not looking with covetousness or possessiveness or thinking you're entitled to have certain things. God will provide you with the basic necessities of life <clears throat> and anything on top of that. You have to give it, like, give thanks to God constantly. He doesn't have to give you anything. He has nothing to prove to you. We have everything to prove to God. Verse 5, And if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. This is a, if you sincerely get on your hands and knees and you say your prayers with your face buried in your hands and your feet crossed in the back that's how you pray you pay homage to the lord and you ask and you mean it from your heart and it says here and abradeth not that means don't sit there and try and find fault in god's word don't try and uh lawyer it like lawyer greasy lawyer it and uh and try and find fault. Like, I don't agree with this. This was written a long time ago. Believe me, a guy like me has heard every excuse. That's not meant to be understood. Well, it is. God's not the author of confusion. Mankind is muddies up the waters, as Isaiah so brilliantly said. And, you know, people will just sit there, and it's really sad when they start questioning God's Word. You ask questions about God's Word, but as soon as you question God's Word then you're doubting him. And Satan is there whenever and wherever God's word is challenged or questioned. The devil is there if you ever entertain doubts about God's word. The false prophet is there if God's word makes you feel uneasy. 
and causes you to express suspicion towards its validity, evil spirits are there infested in your ego, feeding all your uncertainties, anxieties, and fears. You can't tweak God's word to suit your lifestyle. You can't just, oh, this page offends me, this page offends me. Uh, let's just not talk about this stuff. And then when you meet your maker, what are you going to say? Well, you know what, uh, Jesus saw a lot of that stuff was pretty offensive. Oh, you think you're too good for God's word? Jesus Christ is going to say, depart from me. Go play somewhere else. You that think you're, you're too good for my word. Like God knows best. What do we know in this little vapor of time that we're living in? We know nothing compared to our Lord. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. No wavering faith. For he that wavereth is like a wave in the sea driven by the wind and tossed. That means don't sit there and challenge or doubt God's word. Like a wave in the sea just bouncing up and down, going this way, going that way, going under the water, up the water. There's no stability there. Here's our rock. That's where you find your stability. He is our only consistent, unchanging, principled reason, resolve written in the councils of eternity, we're talking about God's word. It's the only principled standard that we have. Mankind comes up with tons of new religions and new ways and excuses, plans, plots, and purposes, but they're all, all from mankind. And that means an inconsistent thought pattern means unprincipled beliefs. It's impossible for a human being to have a consistent thought pattern. Now it's have changed their minds. Every human being has changed their minds. God's word never changes. So no doubting, no bouncing around like in, in the sea of people. I'm going to go think this way. I'm going to think that way. I'm going to, my thoughts and intents are going this way because that's the way the crowd's going or the waves are going. That's good, James. That's a good analogy. Wave in the sea, just bopping up and down. No stability. Seven, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. You get nothing. God's arms are always stretched out, but he has instruction. He'll never leave you or forsake you. People leave and forsake God constantly. Every time they compromise with evil, compromise with sin, make excuses, or try and look the other way, say, well, this is going to be okay. Well, just remember, there's nothing hid that shall not be revealed. And we just did the book of Hebrews, where it's written, God knows your thoughts and intents, man. Don't you think otherwise in real time? And what about that one verse where it says, if you willingly sin, there's no, there's no salvation. So you have to be very careful. The more you mature in the Word, the more you're not going to want things. Like things and ways and things of the world. You're going to realize that a lot of the stuff that you want is created or made by mankind through labor exploitation or through just exploiting or, or pillaging planet Earth. Like the oceans and the in the air, in the ground, just pillaging it, just so you can have more stuff. Uh, verse 7, for our verse 8, a double-minded man, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's just like two-faced. You know, they don't really have faith. They have faith when it's convenient for them, but as soon as it's not convenient, they just, you know, they just do what they, what they think is best. You know, it's a common trait of mankind to just, whoever doesn't think like me or do what I, like what I do, you know, they're, they're wrong. I'm right in everything. 
And that's called egotism, and God can't stand that. In fact, look what God says about it in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. This is talking about being lukewarm. So because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, like I know better, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. Well, you knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You are afflicted. That's what is written there in Revelation chapter 3. Watch it. Like, watch where you let your mind drift off to. Or how you spend your time or money. Um, let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as a flower of the grass he shall pass away. Like we're talking, we're talking low in God's eyes. Someone's that some people that are rich, like people that are exploiting the planet for money, and the hangers oners and the people that help perpetuate that. Okay, so that's what God's talking about. The brother of low degree. Well, people, you know, I'll just use myself for example. I sit here with no electricity, no running water. This house clearly looks like it's been abandoned for twenty years, but it's only been thirteen years abandoned. And and people look like they like they look at me like this guy's a loser. But really, I know where my rewards are. They're not in trying to get riches into this house. They're trying to get riches into this house as a church to serve the Lord, not to serve myself. Brother of low degree, that's what I think of myself. But we're exalted because we are part of the many-membered body, so that's why we have to get together. But the rich man, we're talking Mr. Moneybags here, who, just, who doesn't care about giving back to the world. God allowed him to have that money. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about somebody that did really good in business, as long as they give it up for God and give credit to God. But as soon as people say, my job, my boat, my house, my big giant front lawn, my, you know, my garage full of toys and cars and trucks, well, that's greed and gluttony, and that's um, feelings of entitlement that God allowed you to do that. God allowed you to have that stuff. You have to give it up for God. Who God gives... Who God gives much, God expects much in return. And why shouldn't he? 11. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perish. So also the rich man fade away in his ways. Like you come into this world with nothing, and you leave with nothing. Like that stuff just becomes a joke. Like that car you had to have a few years later. Like... Just keep pumping money into it. Keep pumping money while it's just going to be a rust bucket sitting in the front field like my truck. But it, unless you keep trading it in, well, then you just have to keep perpetuating the ways and things of the world. Like you just have to be, you have to be part of just the selfishness, what money, uh, what money portrays, the root of all evil. You don't care. You just care about yourself and getting new stuff and taking about care about yourself. All that stuff fadeth away, and sooner or later. You know, you know, fate won't negotiate no matter how big of a star you think you are. You know, you're going to die at the most inconvenient time. You're going to get sick and die. Everybody does. And so where is your treasures in that stuff of yours? Is it going to help you? Because everybody knows whether they want to admit it or not. There's more to this life than what we see in the flesh. We know there's a spiritual world. We know there's spiritual bodies. And even for the atheists, what about a Ouija board? Who hasn't seen a Ouija board move? 
What about all the, all, all the, I'll just leave it at that, okay? We know there's a spiritual world. And as us Christian people, we know. We know our Lord Jesus Christ. We know the angels are all around us. We know there's a God. And we, and even to the atheist, it's like, well, what about the ages? There was an age before this one. It's written in the Bible. Science has proven it. It faded away. God destroyed it. This, the age we're in now, this flesh age, didn't, didn't come about. This world that we see now all around us didn't come about by evolving from the old age because, from the age before, because there was an ice age that cleaned everything out. Like if evolution were true, there would have to be an infinite array of fossils and remains for every species at every minute stage of transition from the single cell to the species we see now. Those fossils and remains don't exist. God shows us. That's where your faith can start. Going, okay, simply by that, that evolution is impossible. That theory of evolution is an embarrassment to mankind to even talk about it or entertain it. It's abomination to God. Because it, it, the, the fossils and remains don't exist. So just by that alone, you have to have faith in God. Verse 10. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace and the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Yeah, Joe Diamond, you're just going to get sick and die, and then what are you going to do? Your spiritual body's going to be like, yeah, you're just carrying stuff with you, so feelings of entitlement and feelings of greed and gluttony, and that, you, that you're better than other people. And look at well, the greatest analogy is Lazarus and the rich man, Luke chapter 16. Look at the rich man over there. He still thinks he's King Turd. He's telling he's, he's even trying to boss Abraham around. Are you Lazarus, go get me a drink of water. Abraham, tell him to go get me a drink of water. Abraham, send Lazarus down to see my brothers. It's like just the arrogance and aggression, the trademarks of evil. Verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. That's right. He promised it also. The Lord promised the crown of life. And in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, we'll talk about this crown of life again. Be thou faithful unto death. It's right up until death. Satan is death. Be faithful to the Lord right into the face of death, right into your last breath in this age. And then I'll give thee a crown of life. Like, don't let somebody come along and be slapped that crown off of your head. No matter what. It's the most valuable thing you'll ever have. Yeah, it's a spiritual crown. You wear it, you wear it proudly. You, you never waver in faith. Okay, those that love him. You love the Lord. You understand. He's the only one you can trust. Seriously, the only one you can you can trust. You glory the cross. You glory our Lord Jesus Christ, especially today, Passover at 6 o'clock. Think about what that guy went through for us. He didn't have to. He didn't have to come down here and get railroad spikes smashed through his hands and feet. He didn't have to get tempted like that by Satan. You think you're tempted? What about our Lord Jesus Christ? And what did he do? He, was, he had no guile, no malice, no corruption found in him. He was blameless. He did not sin because he showed us, I have power over sin. I'm going to set up a kingdom that will not accommodate sin. It's not coming in. You can't compromise with it. 
He loved him for that. Or he could have just left us, left us for Satan and all the ways and things of the world. And then it would just been just greed and gluttony personified or, or, or on steroids. Just people trying to get one over on each other no matter what. It's the, the most selfless act of love and compassion it was the cross. And the most selfless act of love and compassion and the most powerful symbol on planet Earth is the cross. It will not accommodate evil. No evil can penetrate it. All the ways and things of the world have no power over it. That's what, that's what loving the Lord means. You acknowledge that. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth any man. Okay, you tempt yourself. The ways and things of the world tempt, tempt you. Well, the thing is with that, uh, people say to me, well, it says God created everything. Yet God created everything, but what mankind did with it is another thing. God created a perfect planet in, in, in perfect order and beauty, the only self-sustaining planet. Let's just look at the oceans. Look what mankind's done with the oceans. God created the oceans beautiful, part of the ecosystem. Look what mankind's done to it, turning it into a chemical toilet, just dumping plastic in there, just garbage. Like, look, look at the atmosphere. Well, we have global warming now. That's our fault. Because we just have to keep this economic engine going throughout the world. Like people just fold like a cheap suit when, when oh, the economy, the economy, money. Well, money's the root of all evil. It's destroying planet Earth. And that comes out of the heart of mankind. It's called greed. Can't get over yourself. I just need more. I want more. It's all about money. The whole planet is the saddest thing. God cannot be tempted with evil. God's not tempted by that. Jesus Christ called himself God. He went around saying he was God. And for people who don't believe that, well, then you think Jesus Christ is a liar. He wasn't tempted by, by any of these ways and things of the world because he set up a kingdom of heaven for us, a place of peace beyond our present comprehension for us, for you, for me. And we have to acknowledge that. And we have to love him for that. We can't bring any corruption in there. Or if we were allowed to bring corruption in there or if, or if God was tempted by those things, then then that would be in the kingdom of heaven. That would be nothing more than a new hell. And believe me, this is hell that we're going through right now. Then there's another hell after this, and don't be part of it. But every man that is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, the lust of your own heart, people can't get over it. They're just wanting and wanting. Get, learn to say no to yourself. It's called being meek. And being meek means self-disciplined. And you're disciplined by way of learning to say no to yourself. Afflict yourself with your own self-discipline. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust have, hath conceived, it bring forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now if you can't let go of those sins and those ways and things of the world, then it's, it's curtains, man. It's death. Okay, Lust hath conceived. You conceive it inside you. It's like you conceive things inside your mind and you you validate them. Like, I deserve this. I deserve a bigger truck. I deserve a bigger house. I deserve a better wife. I deserve whatever you think you deserve or entitled to. Whatever you're worshiping and working for. And worship just means like what's on your mind. What takes up your time. Like worship is a feeling or expression of reverence. It is adored. You devote your time and money to it. You give thought and honor and merit to it. You put trust and faith 
in it. Like like respecting money, even personifying money. Oh, money can buy me happiness. You know, I, I sit around here and I sit around a card table with, uh, they're all atheists, big time. And they, they seriously think money can buy happiness. They seriously don't care at whose expense they're getting it at. And they never give thanks to Christ. And it's really sad. And I pray for those people. I cleaned up on cards last night. I left with like 700 bucks. I went in there with 100. It was awesome. Thank you, God. It's God's money. Okay, tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. That's right. God's, God will never leave you or forsake you. You leave or forsake God by, draw, by walking down all the paths and ways and things that the ways of the world has to, has to offer. And they always seem good at first, or you wouldn't walk down that path. They always seem like right thing, like you get a little bit of excitement. You think there's happiness there. Yeah, it's fleeting happiness. The things and ways of the world will never love you back. The only thing that will love you back is the love of Christ, and that's the only thing that will love you back, and it keep increasing. Everything else is just going to lead to that's disappointments, frustrations, eventually failure, blame, looking around, thinking you can do better, or you just got to keep pumping money into it and keep making money by some way that, you know, you have to look at every way that you're making money. How does it affect somebody else around the world? When people just see their paycheck with their name on it, hey, that's mine. Who cares if it? Who cares if it's affecting other people around the world, or affecting the climate, or affecting? You know, it's at the expense of labor exploitation somewhere around the planet. Doesn't matter. People don't care, and that's really sad. And they lust. They conceive it inside them. This is my paycheck. This is my stuff. This is mine. It's greedy. God's ways of gain are by giving. Satan's ways of gain are by taking. 16, brother, not heir, my, bro my beloved brother. Don't, don't walk away from the Lord. Don't err. Every gift, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Again, God's word is a standard. God's word is the promises and instructions that are written in the councils of eternity. They cover eternity back to present to eternity forward. He's the father of lights, the light of truth, and the truth is a great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. And it just cuts like a knife right through there. The sword of the Lord, father of lights. There's no variableness. He doesn't just change. He doesn't, he doesn't change. He doesn't have an inconsistent thought pattern. God is consistent. He knows best. You have to trust in the Lord or you won't be trusted. 18, of his own will begat us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And there you go, creatures is creations. God created us all. He created us all for his joy, his pleasure, and his glory. Are you pleasing to God? He made us with the word of truth. We corrupted ourselves. Mankind fell. Now, only through redemption, only through somebody paying the price, which only Jesus Christ could. And now we have to acknowledge that. We have to pay homage to it and glory the cross and love our Lord Jesus Christ and realize that's our only way back. A kind of first fruits of his creatures. That's us. He loves us more than other things that he put down on the planet. He loves us more than like cattle and whatever other animals you want to think of. We're the first fruits. 
And that comes from the word of truth. And that's, that's why we're responsible for it. We're not innocent. Animals are innocent. We're not. 19. Whereof my brethren, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Exactly. You learn by listening. You go you go into a university course first day. What do you do? Just flip through the book, flip through curriculum, go, I I I know I know this. I talked to somebody about this uh, curriculum before. I already got this figured out. I'm good. Give me my credit. No, you gotta sit there and study and be quiet. Swift to hear, listen, slow to speak. You can't just start in a university lecture hall, just start running your mouth. Say, so, well, that's not what I think, Professor. That's not what I think. Just flip through the book like it's a book of quotes. Like no smashing verses out of the Bible. It's not a book of quotes. Slow to wrath means when you when you hear something that you don't like, it's time for you to humble and listen and learn and come to an understanding. Because like it says in here, first we get, uh, it says, become mature in the work and ask for wisdom. The first part is becoming, having patience is, is knowledge. And this has come to an understanding. Slow to wrath. Uh, 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. No, God, you can't violate the principles of God without consequence, and that's all there is to it. 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity and naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Okay, the last part of this verse, it's like using an agriculture analogy. Let it graft into you, become part of you. Like weave its way through you, just like this, just like the key of David weaves its way through this book, through threads, and the threads that run through this book make up the structural fabric of the key of David, and they become us, and grafted in us because we become part of the structural fabric of the kingdom of God. We become pillars in the kingdom of God. Like we're part of the of the building itself. Don't be naughtiness. Naughtiness is back in uh, King King James Day was hardcore more of a word than it is now. It's just like, don't be naughty. No, no naughtiness, disobedient, and superficial, and receive the word with meekness. That means learn to be like gentle, humble, meek. In the English, that's what that means. But meek in the Hebrew language, James was a Hebrew dude. And this has all Hebrew expressions in it, even though it's written in Greek. It comes from a Hebrew train of thought. Hebrew writer, Christ's brother, James. And meek means self-discipline. means to afflict yourself with self-discipline. Learn to say no to yourself. Don't go out there and hear the word of the Lord and then go, go do what you want. You have to walk the walk and talk the talk. I was guilty of that myself. Learning, but then not walking the walk. I could talk up a storm. But believe me, it did not work out. It took meekness, humble yourself, learn to say no to yourself. What a great life now compared to then. Even though I don't have two nickels to rub together, never felt so happy in my life. 
I want to serve the Lord, but it takes the many-membered body. And that's up to all the people who listen or anyone who stumbles across me, whatever your gift is. My only gift is doing this. I can't, I'm no good at uh, church administration or anything else or social media, uh, post-media solutions. That's up to the many-membered body. It's your calling. Be doers of the word. Listen to your calling. Christ is always knocking, as it's written in the book of Revelation, at your conscience. Like, do it today, now. Get on it. What are you waiting for? Sit back sniveling or sit back being lazy or, or whatever. Or just thinking you've done enough. You know, you have to walk the walk and talk the talk. And do it. God, it needs workers. And be a... And, okay, if thou hear the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. That's right. That means two-face. Okay? You're not walking the walk and talking the talk. You might talk it, but you're not walking it. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Hey, sit there at a Bible study and then you go out and, uh, oh, I did that for the Lord, now I'm going to uh, dial up my dealer and go score some dope and trip around for a while. No, you can't do that. God has expectations on you. And you try and please your Father. Create us for His joy, His glory, His pleasure. Are you pleasing to God? He's not going to take an insolent child, especially one who He's allowed a Bible in His hands. And time. What do you spend your time doing? That's what you worship. Why aren't you reading your Bible? Well, I hope you are. I pray for everybody. I pray for the whole world. And so should you. 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth there, and he being not a forgetter hearer, forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The perfect law of liberty was the price Christ paid on the cross. That's our freedom. That's our way out. That's our salvation. It's our salvation, our Savior. It's even though right now He is our rock. That's our stability. He, he is our Sabbath, and we're at the high Sabbath now, today at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. till tomorrow at 6 p.m. Our Sabbath, that's our rest. He is our comforter. He's the only one that can make us feel comfortable in the ways or things of the world. You can keep buying stuff and wrap yourself up, but you have to wrap yourself up, or wrap yourself up in the ways and things of the world. But that's no stability. That's not the rock of salvation. He became our Passover, and we're supposed to as it's written in the book of Hebrews, what vesture do you wear? What do you wrap yourself up in? The ways and things of the world or our Lord Jesus Christ? His ways. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Be a doer and a hearer. Learn and listen and work at it. 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Religion is just what you believe in. People say, I'm not religious. I say, oh, you are. Everybody, even the hardcore atheist, is religious. They believe in themselves, whatever they've made up. Whatever they've come up with, oh, I just go to a hole in the ground, or uh, it's reincarnation, or whatever. You know, they'll rip off little pieces from all different religions, like mainstream religions, Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, and they'll just make up something that's convenient for them. Okay, I'm good now. Religion. You seem religious, and you bridleth not your tongue, you just run your mouth. 
and you deceive your own heart, you just convince yourself you're right. And that's the problem with social media. If whatever you believe in, you can go on social media and find, and the algorithms will hook you up with countless people that believe in the same thing as you. And therefore, there's no correction. Social media is just there. It's just a cesspool of misinformation of whatever you want to hear. They'll just tell you what you want to hear. You have no chance of being corrected. You'll just sit there getting ambushed by people with the same opinions as you. It's just a cesspool of deception. When, you, when you're sitting there getting all your news from social media or getting your little dopamine fix, you know, those little, little, little news stories, those little cute videos, and you just can't put it down, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, Instagram. Like, social media is just a cesspool, and when you jump in, no matter your opinion, you're just a turd floating around in that Satan's toilet of deception. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. They have, there's no consequences for not telling the truth on, the, on social media or the Internet. You can just put out whatever you want down and run with it. Just bridle with your tongue. Like that includes your finger tongue, your keyboard tongue. Sitting there ripping text messages around each other. Just Yeah, there's consequence to that. Someone has to absorb your nasty text messages. Well, I was just mad when I sent you that text message, Michael. Oh, thank you very much because I absorbed it and it bugged me all night. So think about it. And when you go on social media and you put your comments down, it's like, uh, yeah, people have to absorb that if they read it. No, I don't read the comments anymore. I don't care. You want to deceive yourself? Yeah, kid yourself. Lie to yourself. Go for it. That's you. That's man's religion. This is man's religion in vain. Vain means void and without form. It's dead. It's dead in its tracks. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. God and the Father. We know he's a union of one. It's this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. Thank you, James. That's awesome. Fatherless and widows, that's always a Hebrew figure of speech for the downtrodden and their affliction. Like, don't let somebody just sit there living in grinding poverty while you're whipping by in your brand new, brand new pickup truck. Like, help people out. Don't be a sucker. Help people out. Don't get, you know, hoodwinked or whatever you want to call it. But you plant seeds of truth, you show them. You're set aside. You signify that you're a Christian person. You're not greedy. I'm going to help these people out. I could drive by them and point fingers at them. Ew, you're dirty. Ew, get out of our way. We're much more important than you. Look at our clothing compared to your clothing. No, keep it, keep it unspotted from the world. Remember in Deuteronomy chapter 32. <clears throat> their spot is not our spot. No, they're spotted and wrapped up in the ways and things of the world. You can spot them, have compassion on them, but don't get suckered in by them. And my name is Mike. This is the Companion Chapel. I hope you enjoyed James chapter 1. And James is a great book on patience, faith, and works. Please get in touch with me at companionchapel at gmail.com is the email. If you have post-media solutions, please get involved. Let's broadcast and magnify God's, God's beautiful saving word planting seeds of truth that's our job that's your calling whatever you can do to help magnify and broadcast god's word with this media if you want me to do videos whatever you want me to do but you're gonna have to come out and support 
the process. I can teach God's Word. I can teach chapter by chapter, verse by verse, the entire Bible. That's my gift. Everything else I'm useless in. That's where you come in, the many-membered body of Christ. I'm out here at number 338, side road 28-29 in Paisley, Ontario, Canada. Come check it out. Yeah, the property's really nice. You want to put a camper here. You want to live in a storage container or something. Come on out. Let's make this the many-membered body of Christ. This is the spot in the wilderness that God will protect. Let's do this together. I want to thank you very much for listening. Have a great day and bye for now.